It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of the Logan. Jimmy, I'm just going to say it. I got to let you go. You were just fired. I was let go for liability reasons involving insurance. The one-armed bartender. <laughs> you need to show a little respect. Charlotte Motor Speedway. I know how they move the money. The only guy who knows anything about blowing up real bank vaults is Joe Bang. Incarcerated. Yeah, we got a plan to get you out. The Coca-Cola 600 is the biggest race of the year. We need a computer whiz. I know everything there is to know about computers, okay? All the Twitters, I know them. Welcome to the Coca-Cola 600. Now, how many yards away is the vault? 20 yards. I don't know, maybe 30. Is it 20 or is it 30? We are dealing with science here. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Logan Lucky, and the story is as follows. The Logans are a hard scrabble family from the hills of West Virginia, and their clan has been famous for its bad luck for nearly 90 years. But the conniving Jimmy Logan decides it's time to turn the family's luck around, and with the help from his friends, the redneck robbers, he plans to steal $14 million from the Charlotte Motor Speedway. The film is starring Channing Tatum, Adam Driver, Seth MacFarlane, Riley Keough, Katie Holmes, Catherine Waterston, Dwight Yoakam, and James Bond himself, Daniel Craig. It is written and directed... Well, actually, no. Steven Soderbergh directed it. The writer is actually Rebecca Blunt, which... By the way, uh, this is my guest for this uh, podcast here, and I'm going to ask him a question right out of the gate. Uh, this is Matthew Gerald, who's a brand new writer to Next Best Picture. This is his first podcast with us. How are you, Matthew? Doing very well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast. I look forward to it. Absolutely. The question I have for you is, is Rebecca Blunt a pseudoname for Steven Soderbergh? Do you know? Well, so what I've read is that there's a lot of different guesses. I've read that she is an actual real person and that several of the actors talk to her. She lives in England, supposedly. But then there's a lot of people who speculate that it's Soderbergh himself. There's some people who speculate that it's his wife. But given the style of this movie, especially certain elements that would be spoilery to mention... It reminds me a lot of the Oceans movies, and so I'm thinking it's probably Soderbergh himself. Yeah, it's really, really tough to say, and I I did a lot of research myself, and I was getting conflicting messages, too. So um, that's my first thing for the listeners out there. If you guys can help clarify this for us, I would really appreciate it. But for the sake of uh, this review, if we refer to the script at all, I think we're going to just say uh, Rebecca Blunt, basically. And we'll be as blunt as we can about it. I see what you did there. I I make really crummy jokes on the podcast, by the way. Uh, You're going to have to get used to it. (laughs) So, Matthew, 
and that's what I'm going to refer to you as. You're, you're Matthew, I'm Matt, or you can call me Negs, whatever you prefer. Uh, Matthew, though, what are your thoughts on Logan Lucky? I think in general, this is a really good film. I think it takes the talents of a lot of its lead actors with Channing Tatum and Adam Driver and Daniel Craig. It gives them fantastic chemistry together, gives them a lot of comedic scenes together. It's what I call the redneck inversion of the Oceans movies because this isn't any glitzy, high-style sort of movie. This is down-and-dirty backcountry rednecks trying to pull off a heist and to me it comes together in just this a really fun heist movie yeah you know it's interesting there's even a point in the movie itself where there is like a television news reporter and they refer to this as oceans 7-eleven i actually I, I caught that i was like huh i see what you did there soderbergh it's so meta it's ridiculous and you know steven soderbergh we all thought he was done or at least well some of us thought he was done uh, there were some of us who think that he's just pulling a Daniel Day Lewis like you know I'm out of the game and then they just pull him right back in Al Pacino style and he goes away he does some television projects he does behind the candelabra he does the Nick the Nick is now unfortunately canceled but it seems to me that the Nick kind of revitalized that creative spark within Soderbergh. And now he's back to making feature-length films again. And he's also, um, from what I've read, it seems like he had a lot more control over this movie. Not in terms of how it was actually made, but also how it's being distributed. Like, he wanted to not open this film in New York or in L.A. He wanted this movie to open only exclusively like in the Midwest because this is kind of like his love letter to the South and to the Midwest and those types of communities in a way. Um, In that vein, it reminded me very much of something like Fargo where it's like he's poking fun but not being disrespectful or anything like that. Like he's capturing the realism of um, the types of people that live in these communities, how they interact with each other, how they speak. And it's funny, you know, there are some really ridiculous moments of dialogue that just ring very true. And, you know, the whole movie has like kind of like this like light breeze to it, but it's never at any time, for me at least, I didn't find it uh, disrespectful. Like he was making fun of these types of people in a malicious sort of way. And that also um, is given evidence because uh, Steven Soderbergh is actually from uh, the South. If I remember correctly, I think he's originally from North Carolina. Um, I think that's where he was born. Now I could be I could be wrong on that, but I, I know that he I know that he was born in in that area. So I love that this is kind of like him doing what is for me almost like a Coen Brothers style film. I, I do see that comparison now. Fargo is one that definitely comes to mind. Um, it, well, not a movie. I'm also reminded a little bit of the Dukes of Hazard. Nice. It's just this goofy and silly Southern style, good old boys having fun sort of movie. And I, I mean, especially in the stuff with Tatum and Driver and Craig, it's just it's raucous, but it's not. As you said, it's not disrespectful. It really pays tribute to these people. And I also think the inclusion of the John Denver song throughout, with uh, from Country Road, to me that is another way that it pays tribute. I mean, it, it's the main character's favorite song. His daughter uses it in a uh, pageant that she's in towards the end of the film. So yeah, I, I totally see how it tries to infuse this DNA of. 
southern good old boy style without becoming too preachy or too um pokes pokes too much fun at it or anything like that yeah and it is a good old boy style because you have to look at it from the standpoint of when this movie starts off channing tatum and adam driver they're, they're not criminals they're not bad people but Channing Tatum, you know, he's divorced. He's got his daughter. He wants to be able to provide for her. He sees that uh, Katie Holmes is not so much threatening, but just, you know, due, due to circumstances in life is going to be moving away with her. And he wants to create a better life for himself and for his daughter. And so he comes up with this elaborate scheme that you know, one of the things that kind of bothered me a little bit was, did you feel that, like, this whole scheme that they came up with to rip off the NASCAR uh, motor uh, speedway thing, did you think that that's, this was, like, a little unrealistic that somebody could come up with this idea? I mean, yeah, in a way, but then at the same time, okay, he did the Oceans movies. Those are also elaborate, like, realistically, even more elaborate and ridiculous, and yet yeah. we buy into it. So you do kind of have to suspend your disbelief a little bit, but I, I think it succeeds well enough in that because of just how goofy and stupid it is that it, it works. Yeah. You know, and you have Adam Driver who is less charismatic. Uh, he's uh, uh, been kind of brought down by two tours in Iraq. He's got a prosthetic arm, which they find many opportunities to poke fun at. Um, but I thought that he gave a very uh, quiet and reserved performance. And, and out of everybody in the movie, in terms of like the dramatic side of things, because this is not really a heavy movie. This isn't like a dramatic film. This is to ruin through a, a comedy. But I thought Adam Driver gave probably the most um, – Probably the most layered performance out of everybody. Do, do you agree? I think so. I, I think he, as you said, he, he gets a quiet, sort of reserved performance. And he's not some flashy, out there character like we've seen in some of his past movies. And I think it does add a, a certain level of grace to the movie in that respect, especially when you contrast it with some of the live wire characters that they interact with. I mean, particularly Daniel Craig's brothers in these movies. They're just. <laughs> Oh, good grief. I got, I got all the Twitter accounts. I know all of them. <laughs> that line yeah. uh, that line is so, so funny. Those guys are hysterical in this movie. I adore uh, And also Seth MacFarlane, too. You Ooh. know, so he could come off as very grating to so many people. And I, I thought that he was very, very, very over the top in this movie where it actually served him well because – there's never a moment where I forget that that is Seth MacFarlane, but he just is so pompous and so arrogant, and it it, it, it works. It actually works here. So I'm going to actually disagree with that. I, oh. I found him grating and annoying, and it's because of the accent, honestly. I mean, you can tell he's faking it. You can tell it's not real. You can tell that it's Seth MacFarlane through and through and through, and... Well, I don't exactly hate the man, and he is creative. I, just, I that character just annoyed me so much. Yeah. Okay. And that's fair. That's a fair thing to say, at least. I mean, he, his character doesn't overstay his welcome within the film, at least. Um, Hillary Swank does make an appearance in this movie as a FBI agent who's on the tails of the robbers uh, towards the end of this film. Did you feel that it was a little uh, odd to cast a? well-known actor in such a small role so late in the game. I absolutely think Hillary Swank was underutilized. And uh, the, the performance is certainly fine, but 
that character, I, I feel like, sh- either should have had more to do or some or cut somewhere else to give her more room because at the end it just kind of feels tacked on and she doesn't really get a whole lot to do. And I actually feel the same way about Katie Holmes and Catherine Waterston, to be frank. I mean, they're, again, they're fine, but I don't feel like there's enough meat there for them to really make much of it. But I mean, you know who gets a lot of meat though? Hmm. Riley Keough is awesome in this. Yes. Uh, she is just continuing to keep on impressing me in almost everything that she does lately. And she's becoming, I think, one of our best actresses. I, I could, if she continues this level of work and continuing to work with these directors that she's been choosing to work with in all these different projects, she's somebody who I could very well see getting her first Academy Award nomination very, very soon. I would hope so. I mean, I, I, I didn't really recognize her before I saw her in American Honey last year, but I know that she's worked with Soderbergh before, so that certainly helped her. And yeah, I, I've been very impressed by everything she's done so far, so I, I could see her certainly getting some sort of uh, Academy nomination, whether it's leading actress or supporting. She seems to be more in the supporting roles right now, so I'd be curious to see if she stays more in that vein or if she is able to get some projects and move more into a lead, but that, that's definitely something going forward to look for. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I really, really liked what she was doing in this. It was a little hard for me to tell initially speaking when the movie first started if if she was Channing Tatum's like new girlfriend but it turns out that she actually is the sister of uh the Channing Tatum and Adam Driver character the 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 Logans you know um which by the way every time I uh every time I reference this movie like on my computer all the time and I type in Logan before I type in Lucky it thinks I'm like referencing Logan from earlier this year just a little side note on that um (laughs) But in any event, though, I, I really, really liked the dynamic that she has uh, with the two brothers, how she's integral to the pro- to the plot itself. And she's not a side character that does get cast away, kind of like the other ones that do. They feel a little tacked on in some places. But she looks like she's having a blast. Everyone looks like they're having a blast. But no one, no one looks to be having as much fun as Daniel Craig is in this movie. <laughs> oh my God, is he... This is great because it's a reminder to all of us once again that he's not just James Bond. If you think back to his roles before he played Bond, he was a very, very dynamic character actor. And we see a bit of that come out here again. And also, too, with an accent that is just so, so, so convincing, I found that... You know, there was there was a time before I saw the film where, just based on the trailer, I thought to myself, man, this guy could really get, like, a Best Supporting Actor nomination at Golden Globes or something just based on what I'm seeing here in the trailer. Now that I've seen the film, I don't think, though, think so as much. But, man, oh, man, it does not take away from what he's doing here. The guy is just hysterical. Oh, yeah. He's absolutely dynamite from his first scene. I mean, coming dynamite. in, having <laughs> conversations with... with... <laughs> It's and that was completely, that was completely unintentional, I promise you. <laughs> well, so that's the other thing. His name is Joe Bang, and I swear I thought that the, the Bang part of his name was actually just a pun because he's the explosives guy, but apparently that's actually his last name, I guess. So yep, I'm like, yep. huh, well, that's interesting. But yeah, it's he's electric. He's fun. I, there's just there's He bounces back and forth off of Adam Driver and off of Chatting Tatum so perfectly. I, I like his little interactions with Riley Keough as well, especially when they're in the car driving together. And he's just, <laughs> I'm like, getting naked. <laughs> I'm getting naked. <laughs> so, no peeking. <laughs> I said no peeking. 
Yeah, no, he's phenomenal in this. He really is. Um, everybody looks like they're just having a, a blast, and that really comes through in the film's vibe and overall tone. It's a very fun time at the movies, much like the Ocean's Eleven films were. And some people have complained that this isn't thoughtful Steven Soderbergh. This isn't dramatic Soderbergh. This isn't Soderbergh reinventing himself. This is actually Soderbergh instead taking something that he's done before and just simply applying it to a different uh, demographic. And as a result of that, some people were let down by the lack of originality in this film. But I I disagree. I found that there was plenty to like in this movie, and it gives credence to the fact that you can take an old and worn story and just slightly tweak it a little bit and it suddenly feels new again. I completely agree. I mean, it's not the most inventive or original thing I've ever seen, especially because it's a heist movie and they're as old as dirt. But yeah, as long as you can infuse it with fun and interesting characters and put them in a scenario that is interesting and fun to watch, then you typically forget about the fact that you're watching something that's been done a million times before. Yeah. And sometimes I complain about that in certain movies. I really do. I think that sometimes I see a movie and the storytelling is predictable. Um, You know, an example of this is I just saw Patty Cakes recently, which was a film I enjoyed overall, but I, I found the beats within that movie to be a little too predictable. And as a result of it, I kind of got a little, I don't want to say bored or nothing like that, but I was not as engaged with it as I felt like I could have been. This movie, on the other hand, though, does have a lot of things working for it that help to overcome that in many ways. So much so that um, even the visuals in this movie, you know, this isn't necessarily like a movie that's going to get a Best Cinematography nomination, but shot on the red camera, um, this film looks so sharp and so vivid in terms of its colors, um, that I, I, I love the photography in this movie, especially when they get to the speedway and you're seeing like the stadium and the people and just the colors, man, I, like St- Steven Soderbergh uh, has always experimented with different uh, types of film and he's been a huge proponent for HD since it first came out. And I don't think he's ever had a film that might have looked this good in HD as he does with uh, Logan Lucky here. I completely agree. I mean, you can tell that he has been a cinematographer before. He clearly has a cinematographer's eye and just watching the images that he's able to capture, the movement of the camera and just everything that you get in that frame. And it is captivating, even if it is something like okay, getting a close up of a gate that's moving back and forth or there's a, a scene where they're playing horseshoes with toilet seats and you get a close-up of that and it just it works absolutely absolutely um soundtrack too is really fun as well yes uh, soundtrack in this is uh got a lot of really really great unique tunes that you don't hear overused in other movies before or come off as like cliche i'm looking at you atomic blonde um so the, the, I thought the soundtrack use in this was very unique and helped to give the film a dynamic flavor as well. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch upon in regards to this movie here uh, was the the ending. The ending itself. Um, without getting into spoilers, were you satisfied by how this movie ended? Overall, yes. I, I, it sort of comes out of nowhere. It, it does, right? I, I felt like it did. 
So the only reason why I'm more or less willing to give it a pass is because this is not the first time that Steven Soderbergh has done this sort of thing because he did the exact same thing in the Oceans movies where something unexpected happens and then you get a reveal that explains it all and all that. So Right, we get it like through this like edited montage where we're seeing scenes like replay but from a different perspective and all of a sudden it's like, oh, everything's coming together and we have like this whole new light on the movie all of a sudden. Exactly. It's it's not bad, I don't think, but it does feel a little random and out of nowhere unless you're willing to forgive it because, again, Stoderberg has done this before. Yep. But that's just me. Yep. Um, okay, cool. Uh, let's talk about uh, final thoughts. Great out of 10, Oscar potential. Anything that you want to add on to this movie here, Matthew? I, I was about to call you Matt. I got to get in the habit of calling you Matthew. Anything you want to talk about uh, for Logan Lucky? Um, I guess the only other thing is... Uh, so one of the peeves that I have in a lot of movies is child actors because there's just so many of them that are so poor and, and I, I get that they're children, but okay, you're still an actor and you still have to put in a good performance. Farrah McKenzie playing Channing Tatum's daughter in this movie is so adorable and sweet that I, I loved her in that. So a little minor thing, but she has a spot and the, the, the country road song at the end also yeah. I think just worked because it, it ties the film together with how uh, Channing Tatum's trying to get this money to be able to provide for his family and particularly his daughter and to get that moment together I think really added a, a level of poignancy to it. Well, I'd like it too because she's going to sing a Rihanna song. I think she's going to sing Umbrella it was and it's a very mainstream song that all of America has heard before, but instead she chooses to sing a song that is something that's more personal, close and dear to the people of that area and really like is uh, cemented in the roots of that com- of that community. That I felt that that was a really really um, good way for Soderbergh to kind of bring a level of um, What's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, like the the thematic the thematic uh, part of the of the of the story and the themes that he was really really trying to touch upon and how um, there's great pride that these people take in their lifestyle, basically, and also in their community. And I really thought that he w- did that very very well in terms of how sweet it was and also to um, how much it moved the Channing Tatum character in that in that ending as well. I. While, like I said before, while this isn't, like, a dramatic, like, heavy film in any sort of way, like, the film doesn't take, like, a sudden left turn and become, like, super dark or anything like that, I thought that that was a very, very, very nice way to add just a little bit of something on top of the film's uh, light comedy that helped to uh, bring everything around and make it a full experience. I completely agree. Nice. Very nice. Uh, Final thoughts from me. Um, I I gotta bring it up. I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. Huge. Massive. B- biggest fan that I know, personally. Your Twitter your Twitter feed would indicate otherwise. Ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> um, this film has a Game of Thrones joke, or a Song of Ice and Fire joke, rather, that plays out for what, like two minutes? It's like not a short, like, throwaway line. Like, this is like a whole gag. And it had me in stitches, rolling in the aisles, crying hysterically. I nearly vomited from how much I was laughing. And everybody else in my theater was completely silent. Oh. <laughs> like nobody understood the joke. Fail. And it killed me. 
<laughs> it killed me. <laughs> but oh my god, I, I I loved it for that reason alone. And I I have to say, on a personal level, um, it almost maybe bumped the film's grade up one full point because I just was so 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 in love with the fact that um. He took something that was very topical, uh, very cultural in terms of um, the real world of today and something that uh, people are really, really heavily invested in. And he just found a way to just throw it into the movie. Whether Soderbergh is a fan of the show or the book series um, or not is irrelevant. I, I, I thought it was just so over the top and so ridiculous that it definitely, definitely worked for me in such a huge, huge way. It, it's it's by far my favorite part of the movie for personal reasons. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> okay, cool. So now, great out of 10. Uh, I don't know if you understand how the rating systems necessarily work here, but let me run it by you really quickly. Essentially, uh, we go by genre. So if we're reviewing a horror film, a 10 out of 10 would be something like The Exorcist, uh, you know, or if we're reviewing a uh, drama, uh, maybe a 10 out of 10 for you would be Casablanca. I don't know. But we're talking like 10 out of 10 is like masterpiece. You are established as a classic uh, at that point. So this being, you know, and you don't have to get like too specific with the genre. This is like, you know, you don't want to say like the hick heist uh, comedy genre. You don't have to get that specific with it, but in terms of how other movies have done this before, mainly even the Ocean's Eleven movies, uh, on a rating of 10, how would this stack up for you? For me, it's an 8 out of 10. I don't think it reinvents the highest genre enough to move past that, but at the same time, the characters are so good and the comedy is so on point that I was thoroughly invested from moment one to the end. It's a very solid effort from Soderbergh, and the ensemble cast is really good. So, 8 out of 10 for me. I give it an 8 out of 10 as well. I think it's one of the best films of the year in terms of just what you get uh, from it as far as comedy, a good time. If you're looking for something that's going to be extremely entertaining and present to you just a really, really solid time at the movies where you walk out with a smile on your face, Logan Lucky will definitely have that for you. It's not forcing anything down your throat in terms of politics, in terms of religion. The film doesn't take any dark, wild turns or anything of, of that sort. You go in, you know what you're getting, and you absolutely get it because you're in the hands of a master with Steven Soderbergh. So an 8 out of 10 from me. And finally, Matthew, Oscar potential. Any Oscar potential whatsoever. I can't necessarily say that there's much of a chance... Comedies are movies that generally don't get a whole lot of Oscar buzz in general. So I personally don't think so. I mean, if anything, you might get something like a, a supporting actor nomination for Daniel Craig. But even then, I, I still I don't think it's going to work out in terms of any sort of Oscar love for this, even though I, I could support it because, yeah, it's a good movie and it's really fun. But in terms of what the Oscars look for, I, I just don't see it. You know, in terms of the Daniel Craig mention, the only thing that would resemble something like this would be, uh, in recent memory, Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. A comedic performance of that sort that gets a lot, a lot of buzz and notoriety that somehow manages to make it all throughout the season. And also because the category is extremely weak. Now, this is, we're like, what, two weeks away from uh, Oscar season officially kicking into high gear here. We'll know in a couple months' time how weak the field is looking. But 
as of this moment right now, today, Daniel Craig gets into my lineup. I mean, I'd, I'd put him in. And I, there is a chance that that could last all the way till the end of the year. But the chances of that are extremely slim, regardless of which. So I don't necessarily see it happening either. Uh, but I'm not ruling it out just yet because if they're looking for somebody to kind of fill that fifth that fifth slot in there, um, that would be a nice place because Daniel Craig has never gotten an Oscar nomination and. This might be his best chance this year. I'm keeping it open, but I'm telling you right now, it's like a less than 10% chance. So realistically, no, zero Oscar potential, not even screenplay, unfortunately. Um, There's going to be a lot more uh, stronger uh, films that come along this year. And unfortunately, this film will be forgotten about uh, come award season time. But that does not take away from the fact that it is still one of the best films of the year. And it is a very entertaining time at the movies. So there you go. Okay, Matthew Gerald, question for you, sir. Where can they find you on the internet? I'm on Twitter at NovaMG7. I'm also, as you mentioned before, a recent new contributor to Next Best Pictures, so you can occasionally find some of my reviews there. Um, this weekend we're recording, I'm dropping a review of Menasha, so that'll be up sometime this weekend, and that's me. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for coming on and reviewing this film with me. I really do appreciate it. The listeners certainly appreciate it. The uh, level of insight and the contributions that you make to the conversation are one that I really appreciate very, very much so. So thank you so, so much for your debut here on the Next Best Picture Podcast. Speaking of which, everybody, you can subscribe to the Next Best Picture Podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, and CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We would certainly appreciate it. I am Matt Neglia. You can find me at Next Best Picture on all of the social media. And we will see you all next time. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary BGW void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus